Hey, this is Billy McPeak, pastor of Grace Point Church. And this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you and motivates you. I hope it builds your faith. I pray it gives you a perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Isaiah 66 and 8, if you have your Bibles. Now, on this season that God's taken us into, it's going to take all hands on deck. We've been a little bit scattered throughout the years of kind of just living and doing whatever we want to do. And the church was the last, last uh, thought or our last course on our agenda. I, I was raised in a generation where church was, was, was paramount. Amen. And, and everything revolved around what we did at the church. I understand it had a lot to do with our legalism, but it had a great impact upon our hearts and our lives. And one, one of the greatest impacts that it had was that we were concerned about God and about a relationship with God. And we were concerned about God moving in our society. It wasn't something that we, uh, we just talked about. It was something that we actually experienced. And I know I'm talking to a people today that are concerned and, and you want to see God move in this generation. The devil's business is to fragment us and disfranchise us and get people going and doing their own things in their own way and, and, and living their own agendas. And, and so I want to just encourage you to uh, make, uh, make coming to the house of God a priority. Uh, we do have service here on a Wednesday nights uh, for those that need to know that. And uh, and we do, we do come together, we have a Bible study, we have a meal, we're changing that up just a little bit, but uh, where we're meeting in the sanctuary instead of, 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 of the back after the meal, um, but that's all because we're doing some other things with our children and our young people uh, to get them involved and have something for them. So uh, we want you to be very apprised of, of that and want you, to, want you to put it in your heart and on your calendar to just make every attempt you can to be here on these Wednesday nights to be a part of what God's doing. Amen? Uh, yeah, uh, some of you said, oh me, he got my number this morning. So uh, that's what pastors do, and that's what pastors are for. Amen? God put us in there for oversight. Amen? Reprove, rebuke, exhort, all long-suffering doctrine. So we exhorted this morning, and uh, we're expecting to see God do some great things. So uh, Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8. Do you have it this morning? Amen. I want to say this morning that faith is the currency of the kingdom of heaven. God dropped that into my spirit uh, just a little while ago. Not this morning, but just a few days ago. And I thought, man, I've got to write that down. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of heaven. So in order to please God, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. So in order to be pleasing to God, faith must be a part of our repertoire. I heard a preacher say that faith starts out before you know how things are going to turn out. Amen. So faith starts the journey, amen, even before you know how it's going to turn out. And so God has called us on this faith journey to begin um, this faith journey with him. And oftentimes we get discouraged along the way. But uh, look at your neighbor and say, the devil's a liar. Amen. Some of us listen to the devil more than we do God. Uh, Come on now. Amen. Discouragement, defeat, despair, doom. Agony on me, gloom, dark depression, misery. (laughs) Some of us wallow in it, and uh, Jesus wants to tell you that that's not what he's created you for. Amen. Glory to God. God's created you for so much more. So much more than that. Amen. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm going to preach here today. Um... And so, uh, verse 8, Isaiah chapter 66, who hath heard such a thing, who hath seen such things or such a thing? Can a land or nation be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her sons. Amen. I want to preach to us just for a little while this morning, subject titled, You're Overdue. You're overdue. Anybody ever been overdue for anything? <laughs> you know, in, in the pregnancy, the course of pregnancy, if you get overdue, they can, they can give you certain um, exercises to try to help you bring that baby to fruition. Um, now, now, nowadays, they can almost pinpoint the day and time, and they say, well, all right, we're going to, we're going to um, um, induce labor, and you're going to have this baby at a certain time. Um, 
And so uh, oftentimes uh, we, we become overdue in, in certain areas of life. And so I want to speak to us just for a little while about your overdue. Can you pray with me? Father, we just praise you. and We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you for your love. Father, we, we thank you that you're here with us. We thank you for each and every person that's here. We pray that you would rest upon our hearts in a mighty way and that our, our hearts would be conditioned to uh, feel your tug. And in feeling your tug, we would respond to the tug of our hearts and you would in turn bring forth the blessing. Father, we praise you and we thank you. We give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, can the church say amen? amen. Can you give the Lord a praise offering with a hand clap this morning? Amen. Well, God is good. So here in our passage, Israel had fallen into a very low condition. They were in Egyptian bond, or actually, actually Babylonian bondage. And, and in that Babylon bondage, there was an inward tug in the heart that was felt among God's people, similar to the tug that we feel in our hearts. And in their hearts, there was this tug for the return of a divine blessing in their life. They knew they were, they were living outside the blessing. They knew God, but they were living outside the blessing. As a matter of fact, they were in a strange land. They were in a captive place. As they, they, they knew God and they could, they could go through the motions of doing what God wanted them to do, but they knew that they weren't in the place where God wanted them to be. But no sooner had their anxious desire become intense than God heard the voice of its cry and the blessing came. It was evident at the time of the restoration of the captives from Babylon. And it was also evident of the time um, in the days of our Lord's promise of the Holy Spirit. A faithful company in Acts chapter 2 continued to expect the coming of the Lord's anointed and they waited until he should suddenly come into his temple. Amen. In that Old Testament setting, the 12 tribes represented by an elect remnant, they cried day and night unto the Most High. And when at last their prayers reached the fullness of vehemence and their anxiety wrought in them the deepest agony of spirit, then the Messiah came. Amen. Then began the age of blessing in which the barren woman kept house and became the joyful mother of her children. The Holy Ghost was given and multitudes were born into the church of God. Yes, we can say a nation was born in a day. See, God can do more than we actually give him credit for. The, the word overdue. Uh, means not having arrived, or happened, or been done by the expected time. We expect certain things to happen within a time frame that we set for them, and when it doesn't happen, we say, it's overdue. But when things become overdue, we become disappointed. We become disillusioned. Henry and Richard Blackaby wrote, they said, we are a generation that avoids pain at all costs. This is why there are so few intercessors. An intercessor is someone who stands in, the, in, between the, uh, uh, in between of the way things are and the way things should be. And they provide a link or let me say a bridge, amen, for others to cross over, amen, and receive the promise that God has for their life. He said, most Christians operate on the shallowest levels of prayer. But God wants to take us into the deep levels of intercessory prayer that only a few ever experience. Deep, prolonged intercession is painful. It involves staying before God when everyone else has gone away or sleeping. It involves experiencing brokenness with the Father over those who continually rebel against Him. And then they ask the question, how many of us will experience this kind of fervent intercession? In Scripture, eight barren women were specifically named who were healed from barrenness. 
They, they, they all have several things in common. Number one, they were all desperate. Number two, they all cried out to the Lord. And number three, which is very significant, they each brought forth either a prophet or the deliverer of the nation. The first one was Sarah who brought forth Isaac, the son of her laughter and the son of her later years. There was Rebekah who brought forth Esau and Jacob. And out of Jacob, we find the Messiah. Thirdly, we have Rachel who brought forth Joseph and Benjamin. Fourthly, we have Manoah's wife who brought forth Samson and never was a razor to come to his head. Fifthly, there was Ruth who brought forth Obed who had come out of a strange land into the land of God and God saw her. Sixthly, there was Hannah. Oh, we love Hannah, don't we? Who brought forth Samuel, who became a prophet to the nation of Israel. And seventh, there was Elizabeth who brought forth John the Baptist. All impossible situations. And yet each of these women cried out to God and God sent forth a deliverer. You say, well, pastor, who is the eighth? Who is the eighth barren woman? Isaiah 66 and 8 portrays her very vividly. And it says, as soon as Zion travailed. Don't you remember the word Zion? She also brought forth her sons. Others uh, say, and daughters. Now, the Message Bible, I like the way it wrote um, this passage of Scripture. It says, before she went into labor, she had the baby. Before the birth pangs hit, she delivered a son. Has anyone ever heard of such a thing? Has anyone seen anything like this? A country born in a day. A nation born in a flash. But Zion, listen to this. But Zion was barely in labor when she had her babies. Do I open the womb and not deliver the baby? Do I? The one who delivers babies shut the womb. Can I tell you today that Zion is the eighth woman? Zion is the eighth woman. And she will bring forth her precious fruit in the earth as soon as Zion travails. As soon as Zion travails, she will bring forth sons and daughters. Can I tell you this today that if the church would cry out like a barren woman longing for children, you would see the breakthrough that you're asking God for. Amen. You would experience the revival that God has placed deep inside your spirit. The Lord is saying, Amen. You know why the enemy works against you so hard? Is because God's got such a great promise for your life. Amen. Amen. I believe that many times we come to this point of desperation in our lives. It's a point where I can't do anything else with the situation. When the baby first comes along, you can nurse it, you can, you can pet it, you can hear its heartbeat, you can uh, play music to it, you can get a sonogram, you can look at it and all of this, but there comes a point. In the, in, in the pregnancy process where it's beyond your control. Amen. And the baby is going to be born. It's painful. It's difficult. It's a point of desperation. You feel like you're about to die. Come on, can I get an amen in this place? You know what I'm talking about, mamas. Amen. You feel like I'm not going to get beyond this place, but the Bible says, and there's a promise that you'll be saved in ch- by childbearing. Amen. You're going to feel like you're not going to make it. As it is, as it is in the physical, so it is in the supernatural. And sometimes you feel like you're not going to make it. Sometimes you feel like you're not going to make it through. Sometimes you feel like this is my last stand. This is where it all ends. This is where, this is where I give it all up. 
But can I tell you, in the place where you give it all up, that is the place where God gives you all he has. Come on. Amen. God's speaking to us this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Zion, Zion can refer to one of three places. One of three places. The hill where most ancient areas in Jerusalem stood. So it's the hills in Jerusalem. Number two, it's the city of Jerusalem itself, Zion. It is often termed. Or number three, it can be termed as the dwelling place of God. The dwelling place of God. Zion can be recognized as the dwelling place of God. Zion has also been representative of the church. Amen? When the church prevails, when the church travails, when the church gets pregnant with expectation, when the church, amen, begins to take God's word to heart and begins to believe sons and daughters are born. It's all about sons and daughters. The New Testament writers, Matthew, John, and Paul, they quote what has already been written in the Old Testament when they speak of Zion. The Apostle Paul wrote these words in Romans 9, 23. In Zion, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him shall never be put to shame. But we know who the him is, right? Amen. Do you know him today? His name is Jesus, Yeshua. 1 Peter 2 and 6 says, this stone in Zion is Jesus. This stone in Zion is Jesus. And he said, he is a chosen and precious cornerstone. Man, so Zion is a place. Zion is a people. Zion, amen, is representative of the church. And so whereas Zion now, um, in times past, was once a physical and a spiritual structure, it is now being built in the hearts of every believer who walks with the Lord obediently and grows in the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Amen. God is building an habitation in your heart today. God is building a place in your heart today. And when Zion travails, do any of you ever get that? Inner discomfort. Come on, there's some of us today, we've got more than we've ever had, but we're more miserable than we've ever been. Hmm? Come on now. Amen. Because what you realize is it doesn't matter how big my house is, how fat my bank account is, how many friends I have on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, how many things I know. My wife says I stop it right there at Instagram because that's all I know. And she's absolutely right. Amen. That's all I know. She said you'll really be preaching one day when you say some other things. Amen. But, uh, but it's not about how many people you know. It's that you know the one, amen, that died for you on Calvary and your name is written and engraved in the palm of his hand. Amen. That's the thing that really matters. All of you and all of us today have a significant part of Zion in our heart. Paul said, Know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. God resides in your heart. Zion resides in your heart. And when Zion travails, oftentimes we cloak it, we, we shroud it, we... We get so many activities, we don't have time for them. But deep down inside of us, we know that there's something more to life than what we are experiencing and doing when Zion travails. So you say, what is travail? Some of us are very, very um, uh, familiar with it. But um, when you look at travail, it's a lost art in the church and the body of Christ. But I believe this current move of God, amen, there's going to be some people that are going to rediscover, amen, getting before God in prayer and letting tears flow down your face, amen, as you begin to approach God in a way that you've never approached Him before. Amen. God, I, I've, I want to pray this into being. Oh, See, when the Lord came to deliver Israel from Egyptian bondage, the word says, listen, this is when they were in Egypt, long time ago. It says, nevertheless, 
He regarded their affliction. When, when did he regard their affliction? Come on, we got some folks in here. You've been afflicted for a long time. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, it says, nevertheless, he regarded their affliction. He looked upon their affliction when he heard their cry. When he, heard their, when, they, when he heard their cry, this response from God rests upon a promise. Amen. Psalm 34, 17 in the English Standard Version said, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Hallelujah. When the righteous... Cry out for help. The Lord hears and delivers. He doesn't just hear you cry. He delivers you. He's not just concerned about you. He's in the fire with you. Amen. He's a water walker. Amen. He's a miracle worker. He is a heart mender. Amen. He is a mind regulator. Amen. He's the best that this world has ever known. And nobody compares to him. Yes, he is unrivaled. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He knows your name. Travail is one of the sharpest pains known in the physical realm. And its cry is absolutely heartrending. Heartrending. You know what I'm talking about. And few, very few people can hear it without tears because you know that that person is going through something. They're experiencing something beyond what is normal. Heart is crying out. And yet God takes this heartbreaking wail and he applies it to the church. When Zion travails. He said when such suffering, burdening, and agonizing cries come out upon his people. He says before sons and daughters are born unto him. Amen. Before a genuine conversions take place. Before people are born into the kingdom of God. There's got to be something that grips the hearts and the minds of the church. Amen. Travail is a form of intense intercession. Given by the Holy Spirit, whereby an individual or group is gripped by the very thing, listen to this, that grips God's heart. It's what God is concerned about. Now, I'll tell you this, uh, this morning, that if you'll get concerned about what God is concerned about, God will be concerned about what you're concerned about. Too often we're taking our concerns to God, but they're not things that God is really concerned about. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek out His realm for your life. His realm is power. Seek out His will for your life. And all these things shall be added unto you. So when we are concerned about what God is concerned about, God is concerned about we, what we are concerned about. And God will take care of those things that become a concern in our lives. And what is it that God is concerned about? God is concerned about the lost. God is concerned about people that don't know Him. He came unto His own, His own received Him not, but to as many as received Him, gave He the right, the privilege, the power to become the sons and daughters of God. He gave them a privilege. Amen. And so, travail. The Bible says concerning um, Elijah's prayer in that Mount Carmel experience, that he prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly or fervently. Amen. Earnestly is defined as full seriousness as to the intent or purpose. It, I mean, I, I've, got all, I've got all my faculties engaged in this prayer. How often it is we go to the Lord in prayer and uh, we, we, we're praying, uh, but we're not fully engaged. We're not fully engaged in our prayer. The devil's in the business of, of distracting us in prayer and, and pulling us away from what 
um, God would have us pray about. The Bible says that, uh, that concerning prayer, that the spirit within us would, would prevail and pray through us with groanings that couldn't be uttered. And uh, the church needs to get to a point where we don't have oftentimes the, um, the intellectual um, understanding of what it is that we're praying about, but the Holy Spirit is moving through us and we're praying in groanings that can't be uttered. And can I tell you today that praying oftentimes is not so much in the words and the amount of words as it is into the intent and the import and the power and the pushing forth to make something happen. Amen. I know that when a woman's in labor, she really don't want to hear a whole lot about, well, you you look so beautiful. She's looking at her husband, you did this to me, (laughs) you know. Probably sometimes the person she don't want to see is the very one that's trying to hold her hand. There's not so much, a lot of words coming out. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And husbands, oh, yeah, I knew you could, I knew you could, I knew you could. You know, I mean, that's not so much in the words that's coming out. Amen. There's sometimes, oftentimes, there's a wail because there's a discomfort. But the fruit that is born forth brings forth joy. See, the power of travail is God desiring to desiring to create an opening to bring forth a measure of spiritual growth. Stay with me. The power of travail is God desiring to create an opening to bring forth a measure of spiritual growth. So travail creates an opening or a way, whereas before the opening was closed. Amen. God's saying, if you'll travail, if you'll begin to believe, if you'll begin to push through, if you'll begin to persevere in prayer, amen, God will open a way for new life and newness of life and change and growth to begin to operate in your life and in the life of the church. Are you staying with me? Are you with me? Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, you said, Pastor, this is really not what I'm... I'm wanting today, I'm overdue for a miracle. Well, we'll get there. Uh, Oftentimes throughout Scripture, uh, um, travail has been um, used with different terminology to describe similar and overlapping experiences. And so associated with travail throughout church history, there have been those that use the terminology of agonizing or wrestling in prayer. The Apostle Paul said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. Leonard Ravenhill, the revivalist of the 20th century, said the early church wrestled not against flesh and blood, and this new modern church just wrestles not. Hmm. Hmm. That's eye-opening. See, perhaps one of the reasons that few wrestle in prayer today is that few have an understanding needed and the perseverance required for its strenuous demands. But by revelation, you begin to recognize what is at stake. The stakes are high. You begin to realize the eternal destiny of an unsaved loved one. And so you pray. You begin to realize the success of an urgent endeavor. And so you pray. You begin to realize the life of a sick loved one, and so you pray. You pray to honor the name of God, and so you pray all the more. You want to see God do something in the welfare of the kingdom of God, and so you persevere and pray. But can I tell you today that wrestling in prayer enlists all the capacities of the soul. Everything about you is marshaled in your deepest and holiest desire. Amen. That's what you want to see God do. Amen. Some of us today, we've got an anointing on our lives. Amen. But we've not pushed through. Amen. That place into that place where God wants us to be. Amen. We got right there. Amen. But we backed down. We got right up to the threshold and we laid down. Amen. We were almost in the victory place and we... Gave up. Man, God uses all the perseverance of your holy determination 
to push you through myriads of difficulties. To push back the heavy, threatening clouds of darkness. You reach beyond the visible and the natural to the very throne room of God. Amen. You go beyond the veil. And can I tell you what the veil is? It's not a curtain in the temple in Jerusalem. The veil was representative of the flesh. What you're doing is you're going beyond the flesh. Amen. You're going beyond what feels good. Come on, is somebody with me this morning? Amen. Did you come to have church in this place today? Amen. I'm going to push. I'm going to press. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to travail. I'm going to allow God to do something in my life. Nothing ever happened by people just wishing. I wish God would. I wish this would happen. Amen. Come on. Something has to grip you. You've got to respond to Zion's call in your heart. Amen. All of us have it. If you're a Christian in here, all of us have it. All of us have heard the cry. All of us have felt the need. All of us are here today because something inside of us is pushing us beyond our flesh this morning. All of us, amen, we know what God wants us to do. We all hear it. We, we all hear the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Amen. Make way. The highway of our God. Amen. Can you create something in a wilderness setting? Amen. Where the waters of life begin to flow. Hallelujah. What refreshing there is. What refreshing God has for His people. You know, I love the story of Jacob, and we all, we all love Jacob uh, in the Bible. Jacob, we all identify with Jacob because uh, we can um, all find our place in him. Actually, his name means supplanter, um, pickpocket. He, he was not the one that you would leave your wallet with. You wouldn't want him watching over your portfolio. I don't even think you'd give him the keys to your car because he might not come back. Amen. All of us know a Jacob and we've all been a Jacob. Amen. And some of us are worse Jacobs than others, but it doesn't matter how minor your sin or major your sin. We all needed Jesus. Amen. Sin is sin. So Jacob, the Bible says in Genesis 32, 24 and 26, it says Jacob was left alone. Jacob had 21 years of of conniving and pressing and uh, trying to make his way in, a, in, a, in an intellectual and fleshly mindset. There was some spiritual things and spiritual um, avenues that he sought out, but he, he wasn't fully walking in what God truly had for him. And so it came a point when his past came to haunt him. And here's the thing, if you don't take care of your past, your past will always come back. And you can outrun it, outrun it, outrun it all the time, but it eventually comes back. I've watched uh, cops realize and watched enough CSI, uh, real, you know, uh, these, these real-time uh, documentaries where they've, they've found guys that, you know, killed somebody years ago. They were a murderer, and, and they, they've lived a good life for the last, the last 40 years, and then finally it catches up with them. And they're teaching Sunday school and a deacon on the church board, and they killed somebody 40 years ago, and they didn't take care of their past, and so now their past is catching up with them. And the problem with this is Jacob's past is catching up with him. It's not so much his father-in-law as it is as his brother. His brother's upset and his brother's been upset for a long time. As a matter of fact, his brother's been upset for 21 years. That's a long time for, for a wound to fester. It's a long time to be angry. Amen. Can I tell you this today? That if you're upset with somebody in your family and you're holding it in your heart, it's doing nothing but damage to your heart and your mind. Can I tell you that today in the Holy Ghost, amen, that you need to let it go. God's not created you for that. You don't have the capacity to, to, to hold it in. Amen. It will eventually destroy you. Hmm? Yes, it will. Amen. Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, Genesis 32, 24 through 26, um, he touched the socket of his thigh. And so the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. And so he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Oftentimes when, when, when it gets intense and struggle, we let go too soon. The angel of the Lord said, listen, he says, you let me go because the day's breaking. 
You let me go, I got to go. He said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. He said, I've got a hold of something, amen, that can change my world. I've got a hold of something that can change my life. And as a child of God, can I tell you today that you've got hold of something that can change your world and turn your world upside down. Amen. Too often we let go too quickly. The Bible says Jacob's thigh was dislocated when he wrestled with him. And then he said... He said, let me go. The dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Unless you bless me. He said, what is your name? And he changed his name. I was speaking with Brother Tony before church today. And he had watched a movie uh, um, called Overcomer. And in that movie, there's a story of. Of, of, of an individual who said that they didn't know who they were. They came to the realization who they were in Christ. And in coming to the realization of who they were in Christ, they became an overcomer. And the devil's business today is to, to keep you from knowing who you are. Amen? Come on, you, you think just because I get up here every Sunday morning and, and I preach a, a gospel message that I don't confront the devil every single day of the week? Come on. The devil comes in and says, man, they didn't like your message. I wasn't preaching it for them. I'm preaching it for him. Amen. <laughs> Boy, you really messed that up. You're never going to amount to anything. It's never going to get off the ground. Come on. This is as far as you're going to go. This is all you're going to see. Come on. You're washed up, used up. Your best years are behind you. Nothing good is in front of you. Come on. Am I talking to somebody today? Amen. Tell the devil the devil. The devil. Tell somebody today. The devil is a double liar today. Amen. God is God and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. The best is yet to come. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm overdue for a miracle today. Come on. I'm overdue. I'm overdue. I'm overdue. It's time to get excited about what God is excited about. And can I tell you today, God is excited about you. Amen. 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 God has strategically placed you here to win souls to Him. Jacob found out that tenacious, persevering prayer pays off. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let this settle deep into your spirit today. Amen. Amen. Paul, in writing to the church at Colossae, he wrote these words in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. New American Standard Version. He says, Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings. Always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for each other. We had a wonderful prayer meeting here on Wednesday night in the middle of our fast. Amen. I know God broke uh, broke through uh, some areas in our lives. And I'm hearing God uh, just just through the testimony of, of things that God has done some great things. Well, we need to pray for each other. One of the things Sister Beatty always tells me, Pastor, I'm praying for you. And I know if Sister Beatty's praying for me, amen, she is praying for me, amen. She's sincere about her prayer. She's not just saying, I'm praying for you to make herself sound religious, amen. She's saying, I'm praying for you because she's really praying for me, amen. We really need to pray for each other. We need to lift each other up, amen, because we're in, we're in a spiritual warfare, amen. He says, he says, he's, he's a bond slave of Jesus Christ. He sends you his greetings, always laboring for you earnestly, for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Heropolis. Amen. He says he's always wrestling in prayer. I wonder what that deep concern looked like as it was expressed through laboring prayer. I know one thing we can be assured of is it's intense. It's intense. 
Amen. When Paul wrote of our struggle or our wrestling match against the forces of darkness, he had in mind the backdrop of the Olympic-style games in ancient Greece. Each wrestler sought to throw his opponent onto the ground and to put his own foot on his opponent's neck. Devil, you're under my feet. Come on. You've got the authority through the power of God. Amen. To keep the devil under your feet. Amen. Don't let him have a foothold. Don't let him have an don't let him don't let him have any inch in your life. You know they, they said they said, you know, if you give him an inch, you'll make him a ruler. Amen. This new generation don't know what a ruler is. It's three feet. <laughs> Put on, therefore, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil and having done all to stand, stand, therefore, having you... Come on. Amen. Stand. Amen. I know who I am. Paul said at one time in his Christian journey in the writings of the church, he says, I know who I am and I know whose I am. Hmm? The problem with Eve in the garden is she forgot who she was in Christ. So the devil said, hey, why don't you eat that? And that'll make you somebody special. And so she began to eat forbidden fruit. Anytime you begin to eat forbidden fruit, amen, you, you compromise who you are in Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. So travail and birth leads to the promise. Amen. It leads to the promise. In Isaiah 66 and 9, the Lord says, Shall I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery, saith the Lord? Or who shall I who gives delivery shut the womb, saith your God? I'm not going to bring you to the point of revival and not let revival happen. But here's the thing about it. You can't come to the point of revival and give up and blame it on God. Well, it didn't happen. It didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. God, you didn't do it the way I thought it was going to uh, take place. Lord, it didn't open up. I didn't see a, a bright light like I thought I was going to see. God said, if you'll just hold on, if you'll just hang on, amen, I'm going to show you things that you can't even think of right now. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. You're overdue for a miracle. Amen. This church is overdue for the miraculous. This church is overdue for delivery. This church is overdue for God to do mighty and great things among us. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. But God has great things that he wants to do. Isaiah 46 and 11. Sister McPeak, come. It'll slow me down. I feel good. I've been wanting to preach this all week. Amen. Sometimes you say, Pastor, you like that every Sunday. No, no, it's not that way every Sunday. I'm telling you. I have weeks just like you do. Hmm? Some days the sun's not shining. You know what I'm talking about? The Lord says in Isaiah 46 and 11, He says, Truly I have spoken. Truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Be assured. I will do it. His ways are not our ways. As His thoughts are higher Amen, so is his ways above our ways. But here's the thing. We can know the mind of God. Isaiah is not saying that you can't know God's mind. Isaiah is not saying that God's not going to let you in on some secret information. Amen. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a secret agent. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Come on, we got privy to some information that Congress will never know. We got privy to information, amen, that the White House will never have in their booklets. Amen. We've got great information that's been given to us. And the Lord says, 
I have planned it. Be assured. I will bring it to pass. It's going to happen with or without us. It's going to happen with or without you. Amen. Hallelujah. God's going to bring it to pass. See, the the Holy Ghost does not flow through methods. It flows through men. The Holy Ghost does not come on machinery. It comes on men. The Holy Ghost does not anoint plans. He anoints men. And the problem with us today is we take our plans and we say, God, anoint our plans. But our plans are not God's plans. Come on. We take our talent. We say, God, anoint my talent. Amen. But I've not given my talent fully to God. I want to make a showcase of my talent at the expense of God's grace. Can I tell you? It's all about Him. It's all about His glory. It's all about His power. It's all about His divine ability working through my limited ability. Amen. To make the church great and to save souls. Oh, hallelujah. I hope I preached to somebody today. Amen. I hope you're getting what I'm talking about today. Amen. God's got great things for the church. So, are you ready to press? Stand with me. Hallelujah. i got so much here this morning. See, when someone's pregnant, you're not expecting a child. You already got one. Amen? Amen. That sound familiar, Brother Roy? Come on. You already got it. It's already there. It's time to let it grow. It's time to push it through. It's time to marinate it with prayer. It's time to get intense about what God wants to do. Amen. We need young people to get intense with God. Amen. Amen. So that when they grow up, they still want to go to church. Amen. Because there's something in church. Amen. That's pulling them to church. Amen. Hallelujah. So God is bring it to pass. Amen. Psalm 127 and 3 says, The fruit of the womb is your reward. The fruit of the womb is your reward. If we're going to see God doing things mightily in our midst, then we've got to change the way we talk. We've got to change the way we walk. We've got to change the way we're living. We've got to change the way we're praying. Amen. We've got to get intense. We've got to get intentional. We've got to live for God on purpose. Amen. Amen. I don't, I don't want to be an accidental Christian. I want to be a purposeful Christian. Amen. Amen. I want people to know. Psalm, Psalm 27, 13. The, the psalmist said, I believe it was the David that, that wrote these words. He said, I, I would have lost heart. Because the devil's in the business of making you lose heart. Making you give up and throw in the towel. I would have lost heart if I had not believed. I would see the goodness of God. In the land of the living. So what you believe. Has to trump. What you're seeing. So faith is stepping out. Even though you don't know how it's going to end up. But one thing you know is that when you are in tandem with God. And the mind of God is working in your midst. God's will is going to be done. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many needs a miracle in this place? Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't look at the messenger today. I want you to hear the message this morning. Amen. I'm not much to look at. Amen. But God has power packed a message to us this morning. Amen. And He has let us know that nothing is impossible to them that believe. Maybe you've been believing and you gave up. Maybe you've been praying and you gave out. Maybe you felt like walking away. Maybe you felt like throwing in the towel. Can I tell you today, don't give up. Don't give out. Don't give the devil an inch. Amen. Believe in the God. Amen. Who has put his promise in you. Because something is about to be birthed. Hallelujah. In your life. There's a breakthrough coming. There's a blessing coming. Hallelujah. When Zion travails. Hallelujah. 
I'm going to ask them to sing this morning. And I wonder, is, is there some intercessors in the house today that would come and join me on this altar for a little time of intercession? Pastor, I, I've not been interceding. I've not prayed all week. Don't let the devil lie to you this morning and tell you that you have no right to come up here and pray. I don't care if you haven't prayed in the last six months. Amen. If you want to get a hold of God this morning, amen, tell the devil he's a liar. I'm going to step out from where I am. I'm going to push into the place where God wants me to be. I'm going to believe God for a miracle in my life and my family. Amen. I'm going to push in. You're ready to see some breakthroughs in some areas in your family and in your life. Your marriage has been in shambles way too long. It's always been somebody else's fault way too long. If you keep having problems with everybody that's around you, you need to start looking somewhere other than everybody else. But I'm here to tell you today that God's got a great work for you. God's got a great work for you. We're going to push through to the anointing. We're going to push through to prevailing prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The altar's open. Come. Come. If you need prayer this morning, I want you, would you just step out from where you are? Man, hallelujah. I need you, Jesus. Come on. Come on, it doesn't matter if you've been a, a member of this church for 10 years or you, you just walked in here for the first time this morning. It's not about tenure this morning. It's about relationship. It's about a hunger. It's about a desire. It's about wanting to get close to God, closer than I've ever been, to see God do what only God can do. Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Because of you, this ministry is possible. If this encourages you, we ask that you subscribe to receive these podcasts or share them on your social stories and tag us at GPC Arkansas. I pray you have a good week.